that scene to me is the greatest part peak. of that whole show. It's peak. It is peak. And he never misses a beat. He is on it 90 minutes straight. Some might say too much, but not me. No. I wouldn't. I wouldn't <laughs> say that. I wanted to be walloped emotionally. I wanted to be crying. It's, it's truly like gorgeous. Like I need a cast recording just to listen to the three of them. Hi everyone, welcome back to Off to Broadway, the podcast where we deep dive into anything and everything musical theater from the comfort of my car. I'm Tara. I'm Stefania. And in today's episode, it is the much anticipated episode of Kelly versus Kelly. How many years later? Three? Four? Three years later. Can't believe it. I feel like we have been... Okay, I need to come clean. I feel like we've been calling it Kelly v. Kelly. It's Kelly versus Kelly. But at... We saw a pre-talk before mm-hmm. the show. They were calling mm-hmm. it Kelly versus Kelly. And I'm but like, I've been referring to it incorrectly. The play yes, does only, give us the it only says a V. It only has a V there. Kelly versus Kelly had its first, I don't want to say iteration, because the Canadian Music Theatre Project really only showed a very select portion a, of shows. It's a workshop. The CMTP yeah. was a workshop. Which... RIP CMTP. I don't think they're doing it anymore because Michael Rubinoff no. left Sheridan. Yeah, he um, resigned from Sheridan. So it's ended, which is yeah. a shame because it was mm-hmm. wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kelly versus Kelly had a workshop there in 2018. And then we interviewed Britta in 2020, like early 2020, like right at the beginning of the pandemic. So like April, it was like, it was like May, June. It was June, June, somewhere there. And at that point, she had said, which is what she had said in the the talk before the show when we saw it last week, that um, they were just about to go into rehearsal and then everything got shut down. Um, and then I think we learned for the first time last week that she hadn't finished the show when she talked to us about it. It was only finished very, very recently. I think they were waiting to discover what they had in rehearsals when putting up the show in 2020, as when it was yeah. originally supposed to play. Um, and that's, I think, not unusual to go into rehearsals with one piece of the show that still needs to be unlocked or completed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but this show had the unique experience of obviously being, or maybe not so unique experience, but I do think it's kind of unique of its production being canceled and then three years later being able to pick back up um, and during the rehearsal process and the workshopping process before this run um, at Canadian Stage, they were able to finish the show or finish mm-hmm. this iteration of the show. I don't mm-hmm. think it's, we'll get to this, but like, I don't think they consider it complete. I think that if they do another production, there would be many a change. If they did another one, there'd be many a change. So, mm-hmm. um, but for this, this, version of the show it was completed quite recently before um it opened yeah that was something that Brutus had said in in the talk right before the performance was that you know everyone always asks that question of what are your hopes after this specific run and everyone's always like broadway and she mm-hmm. was like i want another workshop i want to see another group of people do this i want to see i want to work on this again which i feel like is kind of refreshing because mm-hmm. not every first piece of art makes it to the biggest stage in the world or is ready for it and sometimes you learn that the hard way when things get moved to broadway and they don't have out of towns and then they close fairly quickly so not saying that this is like going to broadway 
But it's nice to hear from the composer of this show that like, no, I want another workshop. I want to see other people do this. I want to put it in a different space. I want to open up the, I wanna, I wanna have the a door again. To, to go back to the drawing board, to edit, to readjust, yeah. to shift things around. Because now that she's seen it, now that you've seen it with an audience, with actors, um, you have like a fresh perspective on it that you've never had before. Mm-hmm. Um, so a, a note, you can't see this version. Um, Kelly versus Kelly ended, this episode is coming out on June 19th. It ended yesterday. Um, we did not have a lot of time to see this show because we were on vacation. Um, but it was the first thing that we wanted to see when we came back, because obviously we've been talking about this for three years. Um, as we just said, this potentially could come up somewhere again because they are going to I believe workshop it again so we'll see what happens there but I hope it does I really hope it gets another production yeah um, and I would be um, I would I would see it again, again. In another production mm-hmm. um, but before we get too much into this um, Kelly versus Kelly is kind of a true life story it takes place in 1915 of um, in New York and it's basically the story of Helen Kelly and her daughter Eugenia Kelly and she Helen takes her daughter to court for tangoing, going to tango clubs, sneaking out. For uh, bad behavior, really. For Yeah, for bad behavior. For, um, uh, I don't even know, public embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know exactly what for. It's not a real legal case. Um, Helen Kelly uses her privilege and her connections to bring her daughter to court She's not actually being tried in a court of law, which comes up um, a couple times. And also at the end, one of my favorite lines is, a par- this is a paraphrase, I don't remember exactly what they said, but it's just like two rich women, mm-hmm. you know, entertaining themselves for a day. Um, yeah. So yeah, then that's kind of interesting that they used, that she, they're kind of existing in a world that is like so different from most people's worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, the book was written by Sarah Farb, who is currently in Harry Potter and the Cursed Child in Toronto. Um, and Britta was saying, which I believe she told us as well when we talked to her a few years ago, that Sarah found this piece by looking, I think it was an art podcast that showcased this like scene of Helen and Eugenia Kelly. So I actually went and listened to the podcast after Britta uh, mentioned it. I think she mentioned it to us last time. But yeah. after she mentioned it to us at the pre-talk and after I'd seen the show, I wanted more context. And it's actually quite short. It's about 16, 17 minutes. So the podcast itself is called The Memory Palace. And this specific episode is called The Pirate Queen. Um, we'll link this episode, like this episode of the podcast in our show notes so you can listen to it as well. Um, a couple things struck me about this episode the first thing that kind of struck me about this episode was the show the musical only kind of cuts off halfway through the story so Mm -hmm. the podcast um tells you okay after this trial is ended um where they go what happens next blah 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 spoiler alert for this person's life for this podcast um eugenia and um, al davis do get married um and then divorced but they do get married um so i if if we ever get to talk to the creative team i would love to ask why did you choose to cut the story there like why did you choose that portion of the story to tell i think that would be like a really 
interesting question mm-hmm. um, to find out. I mean, to get into this, we'll get into it a little bit later, but I think it's kind of important to get into it now. This show felt unfinished to us. And I wonder if that cutting it at that point makes it feel a little unfinished. Like, we t- don't get me wrong. We tie up the story. The story, like, ends. Um, so it's not like it felt like we were completely, like, left hanging. But it did leave me with more questions than answers, I feel. Yes, I feel. So the structure is it's framed around this court case, this day in court. Um, and so they spend the whole time in court. And then they flash back to scenes or what happened through uh, testimonies, through witnesses, through just, you know, mm-hmm. telling stories. So it's all really everything we see in the musical happens over the course of one day, barring mm-hmm. these flashbacks and flash forwards. So I get that choice to end that story there. What I thought about it was, I think, like, the first hour Sorry, to, me- to interrupt you for a second, we didn't say this was playing a Canadian stage, but it is a musical stage company show in collaboration with Yeah, it's both Canadian of them, both stage. of them together. Yeah. And it's part of, so Britta Johnson um, was part of the Crescendo Project. Yes. For um, the Crescendo 20. series, which is a three-year commitment by the musical stage company to produce the work of Britta Johnson. And this is her final work. Uh, in the as part of the crescendo series, yeah. so the previous ones were Life After, which has obviously had um, a wonderful life. Um, the, yeah, it's had it was, American success as well too. Yeah, multiple success, like success in multiple cities, multiple productions, um, and then as well Doctor Silver, which I believe only had the one production, and mm-hmm. finally Kelly v Kelly or Kelly versus Kelly, um, which we shall see what happens in the future. I see this one having more productions. So, um, yeah, so it's. A musical stage company in collaboration with Canadian Stage. It is yeah. at the Canadian Stage Berkeley Street Theater, which I had never been inside. Me before. either. Beautiful. It's a great. It's a great space. It's very like wide. Mm-hmm. I guess you could do lots with that stage space, but it was very like uh, blank, brick, yeah. and exposed and industrial. So mm-hmm. it was great. Um, back to what you were saying. The first hour of the show. The first hour I thought was really great. I really Agreed. really enjoyed the first hour. And then the ending just felt, it just wasn't quite locking into place for me. And I don't know what would make it. One thing I thought was, do we need more backstory on the mother? I feel like we get enough from Eugenia Kelly, but from Helen, I don't feel like we get enough from her in this show. Mm -hmm. Um, And they kept saying, oh, I hope after this is over, you call your mother um you know it's about you know it's a show about a single mother and ever her motivation is her love for her daughter and wanting to protect her daughter but I wasn't quite like walloped emotionally the way I want to normally be. am <laughs> yeah I wanted to be walloped emotionally I wanted to be crying we no, actually were I sitting agree. right in front of Britta Johnson and Sarah Farb watching this so we were just like yeah they had friends like, with them. Yeah, yeah. That was but actually the funniest like, part when the show ended and she was like, I didn't fall asleep. One of the friends and was like, okay, well, you know what? A okay, good well, gauge for it, it's keeping gauge. interest. Great. Um, I agree. I honestly think, and I think we kind of briefly talked about this after we saw it. My biggest problem with the show was the lack of connection between Helen and Eugenia. Mm. And whether that existed in real life or not, I needed more from each of them individually if they weren't going to sing something together, which I also think there should have been a song together. But like really thinking about it, like breaking it down, the only time that we get a sense of like 
how she feels about her is when Helen is singing about her as a kid and we have Eugenia like running around the stage um like growing up with her and then the other times we we don't really spend a lot of time with each other so like she ta- Eugenia talks about a lot how she almost feels like she was kind of like trapped in that house she always wanted to, had to play that card game with her mother but I didn't see any of that or hear any of that you see them play cards like one time but the rest like Girl is living in New York City, like, with her friends. So I just feel like we were lacking a mother-daughter connection because I agree when Britta said at the beginning that, like, you're going to want to talk to your mom. I'm like, I didn't feel anything, and I should have. Yeah, I wanted a bit more. I'm wondering if, yeah, they needed to sing together, if they needed to have more scenes together. I think you're kind of stuck because of the framing device is the trial, and they're very separate they're not mm-hmm. seeing eye to eye. So should they be singing together if they're feeling very different, if they're not connecting in that way? But maybe there's, and maybe this is too cheesy or something, but maybe there can be a song where they're both kind of singing similar lyrics and applying it, and it applies to both of their lives. Um, just something where we as the audience see, even if the characters themselves don't see, but we as mm-hmm. the audience see that they are more similar than different or they are understand each other better than they think they do yeah um something to show that like there is this like we understand that there's love but we need to like you really need to spell out you see it. the kind of love that they have for each other and also to your point earlier of like we need a little more backstory on helen we get scenes of her with mr kelly whatever his name is i don't even remember his name edward 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 mm-hmm. kelly um but Barely, you see that he want is in it for money more than he is for love. Connections, which for like connections. we kind of get her teaching that to Eugenia. I don't know. I just feel like there was something, there was something missing, and I don't know if it's a song or if it honestly might have just been like more scene work because as it's this really went short. along, it's really short. Yeah, there's there's like not a lot of scene work that happens here. It's um, about which is interesting. It was about eighty five minutes, so really mm-hmm. short, which love love that yes but um, also at the same but they time had room we were like, for more. sometimes you need an intermission to help with like pacing of a show and like d- diving more into these characters i wanted more for the characters i feel mm-hmm. um and like as a general blanket statement like everybody even the friends like the cop like everyone needed a little bit like more to their storyline um let's talk about performances so Let's start with Helen. Helen Kelly played by Jessica Sherman, who we actually saw in the Toronto production of Dear Evan Hansen. She played Heidi Hansen. Um, a mom. She's a mom. She's, she's a mom through through. She's playing moms. I saw uh, the other day Kelsey Verzotti, who also past guest and friend of this podcast. Um, she was doing the musical stage company Instagram Takeover, and Jessica Sherman wears like a donut you know the like old like donuts oh yeah for the buns like that's what she's using wow. for her for her bun in this she had a show. very severe hairstyle very severe a very severe yeah there's not a lot of costume changes and maybe if we'd seen the mom she only puts the flower in and out maybe if we'd seen the mom look a little softer at certain points yeah you know obviously like the severity of her hairstyle and her clothing sends a message mm-hmm. but when she's wearing those clothes for even 19 year olds helen yeah i i i want to see that the the journey that she's taken from 19 year old helen to 40 whatever year old helen sometimes you can suspend your disbelief and sometimes you're like i need a costume change like that's really or something a little something yeah um she 
I mean, for the performance that, or the character that it is, I think she gave a good performance. Um, she's really singing, like, top belt a lot of this show, which is kind of crazy because there's a lot of songs. Um, but, yeah, it's, I don't, like, she was good when we saw her in Dear Evan Hansen, too, so. She's great. She has a, she has, like, she's a quality good. to her voice. It's not, mm-hmm. it's, like, has a little rasp, almost. She's also, like, a cry to it, which I think is mm. good for this character specifically. And also Heidi, because, like, yeah. those are the kind of songs that you sing. And then Eugenia, played by Ava Foote, who I am not familiar with No, I've never seen her in anything before. At all. Gorgeous voice. She sounded so good. Um, I did like her costumes, which was kind of, like, you wanted to see Helen look like Eugenia, Mm-hmm. at certain points to see like the free flow of life because there's like a moment very late in the show when Helen is talking to someone about love it's like the guy that's playing Al Davis but it's not supposed to be Al Davis and I'm like oh so she did like live a life we just never get to see it yeah I don't know if she did there's that yeah there's that moment where she's like getting engaged to Edward Kelly and she's being called to well Marrying Edward Kelly is what she, what she's been raised to do. It's her responsibility. It's her duty to do that. But she's being called to this other life. This as they more, sing, you are chosen. You are. Cho- it's a. It's a what? Not a blessing to be. It's is a it privilege a blessing? to be chosen. It's a privilege to be chosen. You know, like I joke sometimes when my friends get engaged, I'm like, chosen by a man. Um, <laughs> so I really, I I saw myself. You really related. <laughs> I really related to that. Um, all my friends' husbands are wonderful. Um, <laughs> but I I like to joke. I like to be funny. Um, yeah, it's a privilege to be chosen. Yeah, so that's what she's been raised to do, to marry this um, upstanding man. Edward Kelly is older than her. Um, it's kind of seen as a foregone conclusion that if he asks her to marry him, she'll say yes. Yeah. But yeah, she's being called by this potential other life, by romance, by adventure. And it's kind of clever to have the personification of that be... The same actor who plays Al Davis, who's the person who is calling Eugenia to that lifestyle as well. Mm-hmm. Um, some other performances. We'll get to like our fave in a second, but let's shout mm-hmm. out the three girls because they're mm-hmm. kind of playing the like inner thoughts of both Helen and Eugenia. Um, so they're- Julia McLennan, Kelsey Verzati, and Margaret Thompson. Julia actually just announced standby in the Toronto production of Six, which is very exciting. So congrats to Julia. Um, the vocal performance that these three gave, I'm still thinking about it. The three-part harmony. Oh the my God. Harmony. There's a couple clips that they posted in like the parking garage. Um, Gorgeous. I'll put them in the episode. Beautiful. <laughs> sounding so beautiful. Just be grateful you're chosen. It's a privilege to be chosen. What an honor for you, for that's what a woman is born to do, to grow into a person who might be chosen. Um, yeah, they all sound amazing, even when each of them have individual moments, um, sound great, but they're truly, truly shining when the three of them are singing together. And also, um, that's a testament to Britta's score here, because um, I've heard many people say it's, again, to use the word privilege, but it's a privilege to sing a Britta Johnson score. This one is so interesting. We'll talk more about the music after we get through the performances, but there's a lot of like minor notes in there. A lot of it sounds like very haunting, which I think is so beautiful. And especially mm-hmm. when the girls sing their three-part harmony, they're doing it 
like in a way that I've never heard before. And it's it's truly like gorgeous. Like I need a cast recording just to listen to the three of them. I think the the song where it's used most effectively is um, our favorite song. Not called Eugenia at the Tango Club Not anymore. Called Eugenia, but it's called Al's Song in the program. You know, whenever a musical goes through a journey of development, you get worried that songs are removed. And we, when Musical Stage Company had released that YouTube clip three years ago. Oh my ago, God, of Haley Gillis. Obsessed. We're obsessed. You're doing nothing wrong. But your mother sleeping safe and tight has never had this kind of night. Imagine growing up and being anything like her. You're screaming out. This is who you want to be. Don't fight the Kelsey was in that video. Margaret was also in that video, but Julia yeah. was not. Yes, it was, it was Kaylee Har- it was, yes. it was Kaylee yes. Harwood in that video, um, who's not in this production. Yeah, casting changed over the three years. Um, many things changed. Um, but do you remember and- the moment in 2020 when we told Britta about this and she was like, "Eugenia doesn't even sing that part." And we were like, "Oh my god, who sings we it?" We were like, "Who sings it?" I was talking to my mom that the other day. She's like, "The man sings it." I was like, "You're right, the man does sing it." But that didn't even occur to me, to be honest. Me either. Um, but and yeah. the man that sings it is Jeremy Walmsley, who plays Al Davis. I that scene to me is the greatest peak. part of that whole show. It's peak. It is peak. I. It's quite I thought, early. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's like a third of the way through. Like a well, third of the way through. Song one, two, three, four. Song five. Yeah, and also I think they smartly they hold. Jeremy Walmsley, who plays Al Davis, back. He's not in the show until no, you meet you Al Davis. Yeah. So you, like Eugenia, are like, who's this? Who's this man? Um, and then yeah. you hear that like minor like cello chord, which kind of becomes a theme of the like dun dun dun. And then he starts with the like, do not be afraid. Dancing is just feeling. I'm like, oh my yeah. god. And they're like here. tangoing around <laughs> the stage, it's and then people sexy. Are- it's like it's so it's so good. It's so good. People are tangling around them, bit. but it's almost like modern interpretations of tango. It's it's a suggestion of tango around them. There's not it's not a formal strict tango. It's it's just like a little like well, a yeah, hint because, of tango. Like, the girls are still singing yeah. in the background of this as well. And we have which, our like, ensemble of two men: Peter Fernandez, who f- friend of the podcast Jenny, who we've <laughs> talked to, her husband, yep. and Dave Ball. Who are playing like, well, Peter is playing the detective, but also like mm-hmm. tango dancer. Yeah. And Dave Ball is playing like many characters. Yeah. They pop in and out. Um, they're just used in an ensemble uh, way. So they're all kind of dancing in that moment. Um, yeah, that that song, you know, she's, uh, Al Davis is singing her, like convincing her to stay, convincing her to like not worry. And then the girls are you know, being like her inner thoughts. Your mother will be worried. Her 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 inner thoughts are probably taking the voice of her mother in her head, being mm-hmm. like, don't do this. What is this? And it works so well because it comes up again and again and again, the three of them singing and they're what she's thinking or what 
her conscience, if you will. Yeah, it's so good. Um, but truly, star of this... Oh, sorry, one more. Mike Jackson plays the judge and Edward Kelly. And then, mm. to me, the star of this production is yes. Joel Cumber. <laughs> so true. So true. Comedy. He's playing the lawyer. Um, His cousin is a woman. <laughs> His cousin is a woman. That was funny. From, from the first moment that Joel walks on stage, he gives the audience a look and you're like, okay, I understand the characterization and we're along for the 90 minute journey. And he never misses a beat. He is on it 90 minutes straight. Some might say too much, but not me. No. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Some might Joel, say, but it wasn't me. We've seen Joel like, actually, the first time we met Joel was, do you remember the first time we met Joel? I didn't know that was him, but you told me it was him. Like yeah, a, f- a couple when years we ago. saw the like salute or whatever to Stephen Schwartz, um, mm-hmm. and he was sitting in front of us with like a couple other Sheridan grads. Because you, so in that class, that Sheridan class with Kelsey, with past guests of the, of the podcast, like Georgia and Alex is and Jared. and Jared is your friend Jared, who you went to Jared. high school with. Yeah, yeah. So that's I kind remember of like, sending him a picture, being like. We're sitting with your Sheridan classmates, and I just remember all six of us collectively losing our minds at Carrie Manalakos, the Wizard, and I. It was it was so much fun. It was. So if much we fun. ever spoke to him, I would tell him about that moment because I've never heard we've never heard it better than that, and we all lost our it's minds. It's so together. true. Yeah, because I, I remember think... them like turning around to look at us and be like, like, "Did you just hear that?" <laughs> it's so true. I, if I recall, there was an intermission, and they were not sitting there before intermission. They were like sitting no. high up, <laughs> and they were like, "We saw these three empty seats. We came during yeah. uh, during intermission." Yeah, I remember. Yeah. I don't think we've met him since no we've seen him in many a youtube video because he lives with kelsey and Mm -hmm. he lived with georgia so that's how we like know of him he's he's a toronto Toronto ensemble mainstay and i'm thrilled that we got to see him like perform because he Mm -hmm. was performing it was like it was iconic i think i said to you should we we have him on should we should we send him an instagram dm let's send an instagram dm (laughs) Um, I said to you when we got into the car, like, Joel Cumber coming for that Dora Award. <laughs> because truly, he is. He's great in this. He's so So funny. good. So, so good. Um, and kind of like, not the narrator, but almost like the narrator of this story. Because he's giving us all of the information from the court case. He's representing Helen Kelly. A lot um, of exposition. He, he takes it very far at the end. <laughs> A lot a of exposition. Way. What what's the song called? Woman uh, or a man's role? Something like that. I don't have my it's program with me. It's called. Oh, I don't know what it's called. Oh, sung by. Cho- no, not chosen. Eugenia shamed, maybe. Maybe, maybe. But yeah, they they sing the song about how a woman should be and the expectations of them, and it sounds kind of dark, but it was actually very funny because it's so. Especially looking at it through a modern lens, which is kind of hard. It's hard to put like modern lens and modern perspectives on period pieces because you don't know, not you don't know, but just the thought process and the constraints that they were living in are so different. But mm-hmm. through the modern lens that we have, just the absurd things that, that the expectations are of women um, that they're stating um, turns it into a comedy song, even though they're being deathly serious. Yeah, like... I love women. My cousin's a woman. My cousin's a woman. <laughs> My cousin's Deadpan a woman. to the audience. What a laugh. Um, um, 
Yeah, let's talk about the music a little bit more. Um, I think the instrumental of this show is so beautiful. And I think we thought this before we even saw it, just based on that one clip is of that like, one song. Am I making it up? Is it like an upright bass? Like, oh, the, the maybe, maybe. That's what I'm hearing, but I'm not a musical. I'm not musical. But that's what I keep hearing. I thought it was a cello, but maybe it is a bass. I guess it is a bass like, cello. Because like, it's like plucked, not like... yeah. But what do I know? I know nothing. Um, it sounds like an no, but it's so thing. it's so prominent like, in that yeah. entire score, and it which has, is like, great. Such gravity. Mm-hmm. Um, other than obviously Al's song, and then when I I do love when Al's song the reprise happens and Eugenia sings it um, mm-hmm. as we're like reflecting on everything that happened um, in her night out. Also funny to me. This is a side note. But like when they go to the tango club, you have to pay to dance. Um, so they're paying like, what was it? I think the going 25. rate was like a nickel or, oh no, 25 cents for him. But for other people, it was like a nickel. Yeah. Or like a dime or something. Yeah. And then obviously Eugenia has money and she pulls out her dollar and his eyes go dollar sign because mm. he's never seen someone come with a dollar. Yeah. Um, That's so that his target. To me. That's his target now. But other than that song, um, Chosen beautiful sung by mm-hmm. helen but then also the girls singing it's a privilege to be chosen that's the one that's on tiktok i will put that in this episode they're like background amazing um there is a little clip of love and money on musical stage company's youtube page britta is playing it mm-hmm. um i'm trying to think what else the the moment the song that she sings which i think is the one that britta says is her favorite in the show is for a moment when they kind of like go it's eugenia with her friends Mm -hmm. and they're standing outside the tango club and they sing about what would happen if they didn't go in and i thought it was a nice moment but i don't know that it was quite earned for me yeah it is nice i think i think they're really trying to get these there are what they really connected to in the show, and maybe I'm wrong, but what I see them connected to in the show is, like, female relationships. So whether that's a mother and daughter or with their friends. And I feel mm-hmm. like they wanted to bring the friends kind of full circle in that moment uh, there. I think it's, like, half an idea, and it needs to be, like, fully fleshed out um, in some way. Maybe that's more book scene. Maybe it's yeah. just a little more of a song or something. Mm-hmm. But, yeah... It's it's like halfway there almost mm-hmm. to me. No, I agree. Um, and then also just a shout out for music because Britta shouted her out as well. Um, Lynn Shankle is the music supervisor slash orchestrator. And the orchestrations are beautiful. really beautiful. How, really, how really big beautiful. is the band? How big is the band? How many people? I'm trying to find the band members. It was It looked quite small to me. Yeah. Five or six maybe. That's my guess. So there's uh, woodwinds. There's a violin, mandolin. Oh, I think we're going to find out if it's a bass. We have an accordion slash viola and a bass. A bass. Wow, maybe I am musical. So five five band members. Oh my God, and the bass member Mm -hmm. um, in 2019 became a sub for Mervish Production smash hit, Come From Away. Wow. 
Exciting. You know what? We never we never give credit to the band, and maybe we should. No, we should be giving credit. The band is great. I love when you can see the band because of the way that this stage is set up. The band is off to the side. Um, there's no orchestra pit here. Are wearing hats, or am I making that up? I have no idea. That did not. We just watched a performance of New York, New York, and they were wearing hats. So were like, they? Yes. I did not notice that. <laughs> I, maybe I should be looking at the band. I should be giving more credit to the band. Eyes on the band. Well, it's interesting not to like make this about. New York, but like there was that whole union issue with Here Lies Love, and they now mm. have added musicians to like that twelve show. of them. Twelve of them, I know. Well, because crazy. the because of the like capacities of the Broadway theater, I would actually be very interested to know if there are any musicians that are listening to us. We have found out through this like kind of union issue with Here Lies Love that every Broadway theater has a set number of musicians like minimum. Minimum. I want to know, and they can petition to make it different, but yeah. I want to know in Toronto, like, what... I would assume, like, the Mervish theaters have higher. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, this theater, the Berkeley Theater, is teeny tiny. So... And there's only five people here. So maybe that is their minimum. I don't know. I wonder if the I, rules are the same in Canada. I feel like they're not, but... Yeah, I don't know. I really am very curious about the Here Lies Love situation because, one, like, plays don't often have live music. So why doesn't it apply to plays as well? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I understand why it doesn't, but also I don't understand why it doesn't. Um, and number two, now this orchestrator has to orchestrate, it opens like in two weeks or it starts previews in like really soon. I know. So when are they doing that? Like crazy. Number three, (laughs) number three, I actually have three things. The third thing is I, I always love hearing live music. I love seeing live music played, but I was kind of excited that such a different musical style was going to be represented in Here's Lives Love and something that is so electronic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I understand why unions exist, um, but I think being so rigid in this discourages different styles of music in some ways. That's not fully formed, but I, I, I think... Like no, can, no, I understand. can this music be create? Can the music as it was intended be created by a band live, or will it have to go through filters? Is it electronic, mm-hmm, or is it? Mm-hmm. I I don't know. So oh, yeah, I, like synthesizers. Like, what's the deal? Yeah, here? yeah. So I'm very curious. Yeah. That also made me think of um, just thinking of the band in general. Like when we saw Bad Hats, Alice. There was mm-hmm. no band, but all those people played their they, own instruments. They were the band. Uh, I believe the 12-person band in uh, Here Lies Love is three actor musicians and then like nine regular musicians. Oh. So so actor musicians count as well. Interesting. So, anyway, so for Alice, they would count as well. We don't know anything. I don't know. Kelly v. Kelly band made me think about the band because I feel right. like we don't talk about the band enough. We never and talk we about enough. <laughs> yeah, I so, agree. So... Um, that was great. And then and this music, I think, I don't know, we never, it's it's very rare that we get any sort of cast recording from, like, small productions here. Um, but Especially because like, it's the first production. I think they, they'll want to wait until it's workshopped a bit more, and they have another production to do a cast recording. That would be my yeah. thought. Although, shout out to Musical Stage Company because they're always putting stuff on YouTube and we're very thankful for that. Because yes. It gets like... We do get to hear bits and pieces, which is very gets, exciting. It gets like 200 views, but I'm there. That's fine. I'm a view. I'm a view. Yeah. 
And also, they just put out that trailer recently on mm. the Instagram page for Kelly v. Kelly. I don't know. I'm excited for this show to have more of a life. You had said that you would see it again and you think it would be beneficial for a second viewing. Mm-hmm. I would only see it again after another workshop, I feel. Hmm. That's fair. But when we were leaving, I was like, oh, I would send someone to see this. I think this is yeah. interesting. I think it's doing something. I think it's... I. I love an original Canadian musical. It gets me excited. It gets me hyped. No, agree. Um, and I think I haven't seen anything the, quite the like story, this before. The story is very interesting. Um, yeah. So it's like to pick that out and make a musical about it is is great. Um, I almost want something else. I want more of is the like tango pirate aspect of it. Give me a song about the pirates. Like I want to know about the Al Davises. And mm. their lifestyles, because it turns out that he's kind of a terrible person. This was actually something funny. Now that we're talking about Al Davis, we're watching this show, the actor Jeremy Walmsley. I'm like, I've seen this man in something before. What is it? <laughs> and it came to me. I didn't even look at my program. I knew he was in the Drayton production of Ghost that we saw. Never I can't forget. remember his character's name, but he was like the friend who's fault it is he's like the tony goldman character it was a misunderstanding um i was like where have i seen this man's face this was like five plus years ago this was pre-podcast we saw this it was so long ago <laughs> never sniped forget it. sniped it um do you have anything else to say on kelly v kelly um i don't have anything else to say just i guess my final thoughts are i really wanted to love this show and I think I'm like almost there I like I said I think that first hour is so great and I think the ending just doesn't feel like it's tied up and maybe that's intentional and normally I love an ambiguous ending but I think it just didn't quite didn't quite nail the landing in the way that I wanted it to but I also that kind of excites me because then there's room for other productions to tweak things and make them even better so i would mm-hmm. love to see another production of this show um and should we rate them we're gonna rate it out of 10 right yeah okay oh out of 10 i was ready to go out of five but i forgot that we made this rule we of made 10. it out of, it's not out of 10 um i'm gonna go seven out of 10 tango pirates amazing um i'm gonna go six out of 10 you know the like dancer emoji girl her sure the yes. tango dancer emoji girl. yeah yeah yeah. in the red dress yeah um agree again i think the music of this show is truly phenomenal like some of Britta's best stuff that she's She's put out there um because it's so different from anything i've ever heard before and i would really love to hear almost more like it almost felt too short Mm. i feel like we're always asking for shorter shows and this one felt a little too (laughs) short um but as we said walking out of the theater and i will say it here what a talented cast like every single person in that cast sounded phenomenal so yes. that was it's always exciting when we see canadian shows and the talent is like outrageous um before we move on to obsessions i just want to pull up because i have the program here um and it's the canadian stage upcoming season and exciting. The first thing here, Top Dog Underdog just won a Tony for Best Revival. Revival? Play? Revival. Was it a revival? revival. Was, it wasn't an original play? Well, Leopoldstadt won play, so... it was a, Leopoldstadt was an original play? I didn't know that. Yeah. For, for some reason, I thought that was the revival. But Me I know too. nothing. 
But let's confirm that because I'm pretty sure revival happened before best play in terms of the Tonys no, were last I, night. I I agree. Leo Putsch that was was new. Um, I don't know. It just has like an old name, so I thought it was yeah. So I thought it was old. But talk um, about other Overdog. other um, standout plays on this list, the Lehman trilogy. They're getting some like big names here, like big name players. Yeah. And then um, the Inheritance. So that is a big show. I also saw today that a Midsummer Night's Dream is the Shakespeare in the Park this summer, which starts in July and runs till September usually. Labor Day. End of September, maybe first week of October. No, I think it might be a little later this year. But it's outside, so Canadian weather is very, very temperamental. I, think I really think it's like mid September. Mid to end of July this year, which feels a little bit late. But I also want to say that it's their yeah, it's 20th 40th anniversary. Forty, 40th anniversary of Shakespeare in the Park. Yes, um, we've seen Midsummer, but I loved yeah. Midsummer. No, there, that was my so. favorite one we've ever seen. So it's I'm July twenty first to, to September third. July twenty first to September third. Oh, great! Labor Day weekend. So we will we will be there at some point um, because yeah. we're always there. So excited to see Shakespeare in the Park. And then on the back of this, um, it's the musical stage company upcoming, which is uncovered Fleetwood Mac and the Eagles. Can't wait. That's a good one. Um, finally, Natasha Pierre in the Great Comet of 1812, which That's is actually... very, very exciting. Um, Haley Gillis is the photo in this, so we'll see what happens um, yeah. because we love Haley. And then I think it's their New York's Festival. So there's some good stuff coming to Canadian Stage and um, Musical Stage Company. Oh, wow. There's like a little ad here for Blackout. Brandon Antonio featured in it has many like... pictures here. Yeah, it has like twenty years of musical stage and just all different things. But yeah, Blackout's been twenty years, and we've only been like, I'll use the word subscribed, even though we're not subscribed, but like subscribed for only a few years now. We really weren't doing our best before the podcast started, and now we're working hard. No, it's um, I'm so grateful to the podcast because it's exposed us to so many um, theater companies and shows that I wasn't familiar with before, and it is. I've seen so much more than I ever could have even expected and only to go up and up and also had the opportunity to see more than I've ever had before, whether that's um, through gifted tickets or press tickets or I don't know, anything. Um, Mm -hmm. It's been really exciting. Mm -hmm. And we have an exciting summer coming up because we're heading to Stratford next month. So very excited for that. Um, And there will be corresponding episodes. Yeah. But until then, it's now time for our obsession of the week. Okay, so my obsession this week. So speaking of upcoming seasons, as someone who has purchased tickets from many a theater company before, when they do that, you they get your address. And then they like mm-hmm. to mail you mm-hmm. some things. <laughs> and so I have all my upcoming season theater mail to show you. <laughs> so here's Canadian stage, like you just we just talked about. 23, yep. 24 season. Um, here's National Ballet of Canada, right there. Isn't there an opera on right now that's supposed to be phenomenal? I don't know. I'm going to look this up while you're talking. Okay, you look it up. Um, I also have the Stratford magazine. This is a long magazine, actually. Like, it's big. Mm. It has all the stuff in it. My brother has actually been to Stratford. He saw Spamala and Rent already, and he gave me the review. So, Stratford. And then I was opening it. I was like, do you see this person? Do you see this person? Do you see our friend Robert? Uh, (laughs) Wait, let me see. I missed it. Oh, I didn't. I, I was pointing to a random page. Oh, okay, um, great. Never mind. But let's see if I can find him now. There's like a rent photo. I was like, did you see Robert? He was like, you know who was really good? 
Guinevere in uh, Spamalot. Spamalot? I was like, I was like Jennifer her, her husband was on our show. Who's pregnant. Congratulations to them. And we'll, we'll probably talk about it when we when we see Spamalot. But I think it's fantastic that they are allowing her to do the show for as long as she feels. She's able to. She's Amazing. able to do it. Um, we love that. So we absolutely love that. Here's Robert. I am. This is really video only. I am obsessed. This is good. I am obsessed with this photo shoot. Stratford, thank you. Good key art. Yes. Obsessed. Can't wait. Do they have the photo credit on here? I don't know. Oh, the photographer. Whoever it is, give them a raise. I don't see the photo credit on here, but. Stratford is always doing fun stuff with their playbills, but when that spread came out. It's good obsessed no the playbills last year were ugly sorry it was just like red with chicago on it it was ugly oh that one but the billy elliott one was good and so yeah, was, it was a good the... picture the little shop little shop good. yeah okay and then we got my favorite press uh mailer so for the grand theater they're doing charlie and the chalk factory so they mailed everyone a golden <gasps> ticket oh my god it's a golden ticket i was so excited when i got this um, wow, I, like, I just said congrats to Stratford, but like truly congrats to the grand. Congrats to the grand. Um, and they have really wonderful things coming this season. Uh, Kim's Convenience. Um, Kim's Convenience. Charlie and Chalk Factory, obviously. Kim's Convenience? Know. Clue. Yeah, Kim's Convenience. And I think for the first time, the writer is starring in it. Um, Amazing. So that's Wait, fantastic. In, In's Choi? In's Choi? Oh. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I know the name. Um. Yeah, so really, really fun, exciting stuff coming up. But truly, the golden ticket, so good. That's so amazing. Good. Um, so, we dependent on life, we might go see that because we might know someone in that. But in Charlie and Chocolate Factory, TBD? that's a TBD. That's TBD? a TBD. Um, I He's know got it's a lot coming of like Christmas time. Yeah, it's a um, show. That's a great. It's a great show for Christmas for kids, for gifts for people. Um, so yeah, a fantastic mailer. All these are good, but the best one, the golden ticket, the golden Incredible. ticket for me. Um, and they've all, we've all got exciting, uh, shows coming up for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is for like the June at the national ballet and they have frame by frame that just ended and Romeo and Juliet is coming up and they're bringing in Sarah Mearns from New York city ballet to do performances with Guillaume Cote and I'd mm-hmm. love to go see it. I don't know if it's going to work out because I don't have time. But <laughs> I wait, we were talking about the, this is really going to be like name droppy of me. But we were talking about this at Opera Garnier in we were Paris. We were. Um, because we were there they were had, costumes there from yes, and they, they do the ballet at the Opera Garnier. Um, yes. Romeo and Juliet. I love the production that National Ballet of Canada does. And I would really recommend it to anyone. Um, but this production of Romeo and Juliet runs till uh, June 25th. And what I would recommend is standing room tickets. They're $12. You have to get there when the box office opens. Um, but $12 on like ring three cannot be beat. Cannot you have be a week beat. to see it, everybody, if you're yep. listening on episode release day. Um, I can't find exactly what I was thinking of, but look out for if you're interested in the opera the canadian opera company because i'm pretty sure there's like a very innovative show taking place currently should we um, go we've never been to the opera i know love OM's coming we almost we almost saw love om in france but we didn't the weather was too good the weather ended up being too good um <laughs> yeah but that would have been an experience um Shara made me not laugh. that my... like but it's in french isn't it and i was like i think it's always in french yeah every is. time love om is done it's in french every time so yeah. it would make no difference if we saw it in Canada. 
Um, my obsession is not anything to do with France, but just to like okay. talk about a couple of things because it was a little like theatery. We did go, uh, we did a walking tour. We went to the Moulin Rouge, which was very fun. We did not go because the tickets are so expensive. But um, to go up just to like the box office area and see the artwork was really great. Um, also, they're obviously doing very well because... Everyone seems to be going to the Moulin Rouge. So, like, if you can drop a hefty price tag ticket, go see it if you're out there. It's so expensive. So So expensive. expensive. Um, And also, yeah, like, going to Opera Garnier to see, like, Box 5 was very thrilling for me specifically of the Phantom of the Opera. But just to see, like, the way that the Broadway stages model their chandeliers off of those chandeliers is actually incredible what the set designers can do. Because it was, like... To the T, perfect, looked exactly like the chandelier. That theater is gorgeous. So if you are ever, if anyone is ever listening to us in Europe and you have the chance to see like a ballet or an opera there, go. What was running while we were there in Paris was um, a ballet based on Dante's Inferno, but Mm. it was sold out even before I looked. So it was in high demand. Otherwise I would have been like, hey, we're going to the ballet. Hey guys. (laughs) We're doing Uh, fun. Um, there was a brief second here when I was like, wow, should my obsession be ready for the ride? But no, and we're not even going to go into the... We can't go into it. Incredible Disneyland Paris parade. Um, maybe we'll get into it when it closes in September. So someone remind us in a few months from now. But my obsession this week, last night, this is on episode record, was the Tony Awards. And, um... I feel like no real surprises. I think we did a pretty good job in our predictions this year. Kimberly and Kimbo cleaned up as we thought they would. Surprising to me because we weren't really like looking at the play categories, but like Leopoldstadt cleaned up. And I always think of that show because it was the show that never came here because of the pandemic. Right. And then a year later has had such success on Broadway, um, congrats to our favorite, Brandon Uranowitz, for finally winning a Tony Award. His speech was lovely. Um, but my obsession this week is the song from Shucked, which is Somebody Will. Um, I loved Shucked's performance um, on the Tony Awards. I thought it was very smart to do a medley if you're trying to sell tickets to your show. I think it's a really good idea to show different moments from the show. And they very briefly showed somebody will this song is a country anthem it is sung so well it is such a good song i think i like messaged you after i saw it being like this song has no right to be as good as it is well i'm pretty good looking if you look around here i can skin a buck and never spill my beer i'll pay for dinner and i'll open up the door manners like One of my favorite parts of Shucked is there's like a wedding that happens. I'm not going to say between who because that's a big spoiler. But Mm -hmm. um, all of the men get drunk. And as they're drinking, this song comes on. And the character that sings it is like, oh, my God, that's my song. I love this song. And it's a true comedy moment. I think about it all the time. And it is my most played song from Shucked next to Alex's independently owned. So Tony Award winner Alex Newell. 
Tony Award winner. Tony made history last night. Two non-binary actors um, won. I think it really opens up the conversation, which we will not open up this can of worms right now, of should the Tonys have genderless categories? Um, we need more time like, for that. We need time. I feel like we are heading into that for potentially next season. Maybe it will be something that we talk about next year. Um, but it was actually a really good Tony's. It was some of the highest views that they've had in years. Um, and it was unscripted. The writers are on strike. I feel like the last time we talked about this, I like recorded an insert to say that the Tonys weren't happening. Surprise, they happened. Um, unscripted. But I hope that people don't take how fun yesterday was to be like, well, we don't need the writers after all. So I hope that there is a balance in the future. And we'll see what happens for like award shows in the future for TV, film, everything. Because it's a crazy time. The actors may want, be going on strike soon too. If we want more art, it needs to be written by somebody. Mm-hmm. And that's that. So, mm-hmm. And pay them. And they need to be paid to do it. They need to be paid fairly to do it. Yeah. They need to be able to support um, themselves. Okay. Exactly. So that is my obsession of the week. That's also our thoughts on Kelly versus Kelly. As we said, Kelly versus Kelly is over now in Toronto, but keep an eye out, keep an ear out. There possibly could be another production in the future. And if it does roll back through the city or somewhere else, go see it. Because British shows seem to travel and end up here, there, and everywhere. So it would be exciting if it had an out-of-town in the States, maybe. I would love to, like, I don't know. Sometimes I think of these Canadian shows. I'm like, what if, like, a dramaturg was in on this? And, like, what would they do? I always wonder. We didn't talk about this, but the reviews for the show in Toronto have been oh my really God. great. They've been really Outstanding. great. They've yeah. been really great. They, so I, I see momentum like, for it. Literally on the playbill, it says, Berta Johnson is Canadian musical theater's next great hope. Toronto star. And you know that, was, that was pre-Kelly v. Kelly said. But, yeah, the reviews for this specific show have been really wonderful. If you're not locked out of Globe and Mail, read theirs because it's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. And the Broadway, there's like a Broadway World Board section for Toronto that has all of the reviews of Kelly v. Kelly. Oh, like so aggregated? Great. Read those as well. Um, but, yeah, also excited to see what Britta does next. I feel like we said that Always. after we talked to her. And... Now, this made it more. This made it more. Now exciting. seeing what she did next, I really want to see the next project. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's our episode this week. If you want to listen to any of our other episodes, you can do that by subscribing to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also watch us on YouTube, and we'd really appreciate it if you left us a comment and subscribed. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at off to be away podcast with the number two. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.